I'm Derek Wheatley and welcome to episode 167 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. Thanks for very much for joining us. Uh, thanks very much to Louise who came on last week to talk about, well, to talk about a number of things and I suppose grief came up. I knew it was going to come up, but it came up maybe more than I suspected. But we also talked about how people uh, love their pets and, you know, how they deal with the loss of a pet and um, something that I couldn't quite connect to. But I think Louise described it really well. And I know obviously lots of people had to go through that. And Louise is someone who helps with that. So, you know, go and check out the episode. Um, check out Lucky Works Co podcast. Um, I might be involved with that. Uh, but uh, yeah, check out that. And, and uh, we're on Buy Me Coffee, all that stuff. Uh, listen, more importantly, our episode today, um, our guest is a children's author. And her name is Emma Jane Leeson. How are you doing, Emma Jane? You're paused. I think that was the worst time that could have been that that could have been possible. That <laughs> the the uh, Emma's Wi-Fi has has seems to have gone down. I'm I'm just going to talk through for a second. Um, we had scheduled this to to Emma Emma Jane's back. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I, I obviously you couldn't see it from my side, but you paused in the most um thoughtful expression on your face. And I, I kind of looked up for a second, I was like, Oh, she's really paying attention here. And then no, it wasn't that. <laughs> How are you? Thank God. But I, I I don't know. I didn't I literally just heard we have author, Emma J. Leeson, then it was like boop, silence. Oh, did it? <laughs> <laughs> it did it right on you. But uh yeah, the, the, it was um th- that look. I, we were just speaking a little bit before that. That's happened so often on the podcast as well. It's like the people will, you just, especially with Zoom, we're just relying on the fact that both of us are, are doing all right with the with the um, signals. And, uh, you know, and th- these things happen. It's not the end of the world. But listen, more importantly, how are you doing? I am doing grand. I have had a great day, actually, today between horse riding and rock climbing with uh, my daughter and my cousin and that. Like, so all is good. Sitting down now with a cup of tea, chatting to you. So happy Fair days. play to you. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, we we definitely get into that, uh, the, the horse riding, the rock climbing, the outdoorsy stuff, I suppose. Um, but we always start in the same spot. Uh, Emma Jane, could you give us a history of your upbringing, please? Yeah, so um, so I am born and bred in County Kildare in the Sticks. I have never moved too far away from where I was uh, born, actually. But uh, I had a fantastic childhood. Um, so my parents were great, to be honest, between books and stories and just letting us out and bringing us out all the time. And daddy going, you know, bloody picking mushrooms or picking nuts or whatever it is and making adventures and stories that were just the simplest of things. Um, so I really good friends all the way through my life. But still best friends with most of them since I was small. Um. Yeah, and then I had my uh, my daughter Lily Dem when I was eighteen, so I was pregnant at seventeen. I had her at eighteen, so things rapidly changed uh, from that point on. But uh, absolutely for the best, if brilliant, couldn't be lost without her. But yeah, so that's a whirlwind view, I think. Childhood. Yeah, that sounds, <laughs> sounds idyllic. I like it. And um, we always ask as well um, when you first became aware of mental health. Yeah, so, and you, you had said that question to me and I had a good think about it. So, um, so I think I first became aware of the term mental health, probably only about like uh, eight, nine, ten years ago uh, when I was working in HR, actually. Um, so, and then specifically, I suppose, then when I was going through a bad mental health period myself uh, in a particular job that I didn't stick out long for, I was being bullied by my boss the whole I absolutely hated it. 
And I suppose became super aware of it then. And that correlates exactly with me actually starting yoga. It was my sister that suggested, you know, I do try yoga, this online yoga with Adrian or whatever, like, you know, so. And yeah, but uh, but I suppose kind of without it being a term mental health, I suppose it was very aware of something being a bit wonky and a bit not right, maybe around the age of 15 and 16, um, I would have uh, I say left school I was asked to leave school okay. <laughs> at that point too um you know so so yeah so it's funny um but it's funny how like the terminology didn't come until much later I suppose when you're aware of what it is but I think that's Ireland in general isn't it kind of just yeah. waking up and yeah yeah I think that's that's uh 100% the idea I get from having asked everybody this the same question it seems to be the terminology definitely came a lot later than um the actual experiences that we had and you know talking about funny enough a lot of people will say around the middle of you know teenage years is this kind of start of this you know um the idea they may be feeling anxiety stuff but just not having the, the the words to kind of put on it you know um so when you you mentioned there about growing up and and i think this is something that i was thinking about because i knew you were coming on and to do with like storytelling and and as you were growing up um what was it with your dad with your parents like was it they, were they storytellers or were they more uh, just really big into reading to you and you like taking it in that way yeah no so so mammy was always great with books so mammy read books to us she said reads them to all of the grandkids and everything now like you know but she yeah she was the book woman you know like and kind of really encouraged us then to do art and to write ourselves and draw and you know all that kind of stuff like but my dad then was a storyteller completely I don't think daddy has ever actually read me a book in his entire life <laughs> but, uh, but he just used to make up stories and like just spin yarns I suppose for want of a better thing but they were so imaginative and like, like he'd still do it now like you know like he'd wind you up a stick and you he, you're convinced of what he's saying it's just yeah. a storyteller you know but when it goes back though even beyond that to like my nana and my granny and my granddad you know like they were all just storytellers you mm-hmm. know like and yeah it's, it's just something that seeped down through then like you know it's, it's, it's great like I love it I love there's nothing like a good story <laughs> yeah uh, like uh, that that's true and and the fact that you've carried it on but like when did you decide to you know start writing what age were you when you began yeah so I suppose writing so I did the writer book when I was in second class this is so specific but I <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason I remember I still have my little trophy actually over here beside me but I won the right book that year in second class for my story about dinosaurs um, but then I was I always I really always actually liked writing and then um, as I said to you like I left school early and I kind of like tossed around with a load of different things but I did a bit of journalism actually did a diploma in mm. um, journalism so would have been at that Infrequently, I suppose, up and down, as I said, I had Lily. Um, but I literally, I wrote down the stories so about Johnny McGorry when she was maybe about two or three months old. Just one night she wouldn't sleep and um, just started scribbling down and it just happened to come out and rhyme them stories that then I left in the box for 12 years and then eventually self-published. It was coming up to my 30th. My mom was like, would you not do something with your stories? But I suppose I had a career at that stage. So I just self-published for the sake of giving them one, giving one to the kids. And that's kind of how it all happened then. <laughs> yeah, but like... The the reason that I was so interested in, in speaking to you because I I often think I I teach uh, kids jujitsu right so um I know how hard it is to keep them engaged I suppose now when we're teaching them jujitsu with certain positions and stuff we're not they're not learning how to choke each other just yet we'll wait until they're a little bit older but but the positions and stuff and you know it is quite tough to keep them engaged so for me to kind of like I have nieces and nephews and stuff but that was that's my only kind of experience is being around being close with you know kids I don't have my own kids and I 
you know, I tried to think of ways in there then to, you know, keep them engaged and keep them wanting to learn. I often, well, I was wondering about when you're writing, how you manage to do that in the words, because it, it is a difficult task. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I probably, I don't know. I think it's just all about the story, isn't it? And then mm-hmm. I think the fact that I chose to write in rhyme as well. Well, I, I just know from reading hundreds of books to my own growing up, like, you know, yeah. so like I've got two daughters now and a stepson, like, and I've just read to them consistently, you know. So I don't know. I think you maybe once you're in that kind of sphere and you're reading all the time and you're looking at other books or whatever and you're writing it, it is something that you just kind of, it comes then, like, you know. But but I think the biggest part of any of those smaller books is probably the pictures as well. And I'm just blessed, like, I've had, like, the most amazing illustrators work with me, you know, like, that really engage and kind of, you know, like, the kids get into the pictures, so. How does that come about then though the relationship because what is your input then when they are illustrating the stories yeah so say for the johnny mcgory books then uh, so kim shaw has been my illustrator on all of them except for one don conroy did one but uh but say when i started working with kim at the start um i like i had a very big input um you know well i suppose it was because it was independently publishing and i just knew yeah. what way i wanted the book to be yeah. so like the whole brief was and i was like Anne and barry from the books that we yeah, yeah. School, you know so i was like something really simple and then the, like the character like uh johnny mcgory is based on my best friend and my neighbor growing up darren you know like so i kind of had very clear vision of what he was to look like and then all of the characters actually are all my family like their photographs like oh. lily in the book is my lily and the whole lot like you know but but yeah i suppose I had an awful lot to, of input at the start, but now I think we're at the point now with Kim, like we're on book number 10, like, you know, like it's, yeah. she knows what I'm thinking and vice versa, you know, or whatever, or if it's a completely like left to field kind of book, like that Songs of Ireland book was the last one I brought out. She was like, how on earth am I going to illustrate this? But I could see it in my head. So I was just like, I just need to do And you know, kind of like, as well as helping her along with it. But then she's just magic. Like she's so talented. I'm just really lucky. Actually, everybody I've worked with has been unbelievable. So... And of course yourself, like, you know, it takes, you're the one to come up with the stories. And I, I um, when I think about self-publishing and people might be a little bit, um, you know, a lot of people might be out there have written books and like you said, might have left them under the bed or in their, you know, the attic or whatever. And self-publishing is something that's more prevalent now, like there's more people doing it. Is it a daunting experience? How was it for you when you, when you started yeah, no, it's it's so easy now. So that's what I'd like to say to everybody. Like, there's absolutely nothing stopping anybody getting out a book now, especially with all the print-on-demand platforms and everything. Like, they're so easy to use. But, like, at the start, I was, again, just super lucky. So I linked in with Dolores Keevney, who is an Irish author and illustrator. She's from Mullingar. She's an absolute legend. But uh, I had actually originally asked her to illustrate the books, but she couldn't at the time. And anyway, something happened, but she ended up mentoring me through it. Um, so between herself and then Benji Bennett who's another Irish kind of independently published author, the two of them are great. Like, so like they, they took all the, like, because I had no freaking clue. Like, so what was an ISBN number? Or like, you know, like, where do you get a barcode? Or what's, like, I had no clue, honestly. But I was just looking at it and people I was talking to was just so helpful. And the whole lot, it kind of took it all out of it. But like now, literally, I like help people like eight weeks to write a book, get it self-published, boom, done. In courses that I run, like, it's that easy. You know, like, so... Yeah. I think people like have this whole thing of, and then there's all this nonsense still around, like, oh no, I'll just wait and I'll try to get a book deal. Don't wait. Yeah. Get your own book out there. You know, like, yeah. so. <laughs> it, no but there is, there is, there, well, there was, um, I don't think so now, but, you know, uh, kind of snootiness around the idea oh, of doing completely. it. Yeah. yeah, a- yeah. And, you know, 
the idea of uh, I'll just wait, but I'll sit on it while I wait. And it, it, it's not actually out there. So you're waiting for something that can't come because you haven't brought the stuff out. Whereas you were proactive in your approach. If people want to be proactive in their approach, go and do the self-publishing thing. Because like you said, there's many people like yourself who are showing people the way how to do it. Mm, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like Roddy Doyle and Beatrix Potter both self published to begin with, you know, like mm. so. <laughs> Good company. Like, there's nothing, yeah, but like there's, I don't know, like, and you're right about this whole snootiness, like, you know, and I suppose that was something that actually really played in terms of like anxiety levels and mm. at the start, like my confidence, my self esteem, and the whole lot, because, you know, then you'd have people going, I wish it's only vanity publishing, you know, like, yeah. and kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't particularly care. I know children love it, you know, like, yeah. and I know that they're they're happy to have it. So once they're happy, I really couldn't give a shite. Like, this point, sorry for what you're right. thinking, like, you know. But but that took years, though. That took yeah. so long from a confidence point of view. But it has changed. It has changed massively now. Like, I don't think it really makes much odd. No, I I agree. Um, so when you you're writing, obviously yours is the Johnny McGorry series. But um, as you're uh, going down that line and you songs of Ireland now um, what's the next kind of ideas is it that Johnny McGorry is going to carry on have you other ideas around the children's market or maybe even going into the the adults market at any point yeah so so with Johnny McGorry like I'm delighted we're currently working on the TV animation series for that oh. so we got funding from Screen Ireland to turn him into the Irish story explorer is what I just keep saying Brilliant. to everyone so like class and then like with my last Johnny McGorry book I was actually commissioned to write that book then by um the Creative Ireland and the local access groups and everything it's and it's to represent children of all abilities in I suppose a mainstream children's series so, you know like so that was like it was that was, it was such a challenge that book we're still in the like we're probably I would say maybe 70% done now but like that really that racked me out of my comfort zone but it's brilliant and I love now how he that character can kind of take on these kind of things hmm. but then myself then yeah I finished my first adult novel last year something I dreamed six and a half years ago <laughs> I did not get on it and then I started working with Martin Keaveney who's a professor in Galway um, and he's just great just kind of accountability and you know yeah. encouragement and whatever and then yeah just also got funding then from the Bridget 1500 um campaign St. Bridget's here in Kildare to do um, a book on St. Bridget but not St. Bridget it's like Bridget the Goddess Bridget, yeah. like her memoir but it's the whole idea behind that then is to actually kind of make her a relatable character then that can hopefully inspire girls to be more confident to step outside of their comfort zone to you know mm. do things that scared them kind of that's the whole plan with that so so yeah so it's great like there's Johnny McGorry will always be there I, like I yeah. love that kind of stuff but then the other stuff now is just great and it's so like writing an adult novel, like, you know, it's like absolutely terrifying. But I got craft fund on it. I'm like, yes, I wrote 80,000 words. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's incredible because of the the switch that, and I'm not sure that many people can do that switch between the two, you know. But between the being someone who's successful in children's uh, world and then passing over to the adults' world, and obviously, like you said, the the Johnny McGorry character being turned into a series is amazing. Then the Saint Bridget thing, which is which is really fascinating to me now, because since I started the podcast, I've had people on to talk about St. Bridget and I didn't know anything like I just thought it was to do with the cross on the on the wall above the door in your house. I did not realize the, the power and, you know, the, the, the whole the, you know, I guess the power is the right word that people get from the character who know what they're talking about. And I, like I said, I had two or three people come on and. Um, I was kind of blown away by the fact that why wasn't I taught this stuff in school or earlier or like I could have gone out and found out myself. I realized that just lazy to put it on other people. But in school, you should be learning this stuff. 
Definitely. Yeah, yeah, no, like, and this is it. Like, and I think especially like when you bring it back to the whole two of the dam and stuff and, mm. you know, they got all like, I love all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it really kind of just gets me going. But, but yeah. So anyway, so let's see how Bridget goes. But <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's very exciting and very, a very busy schedule for yourself as well. Can you tell yeah, us but, a bit? There's something, something I read, read Emma Jane, uh, um, on your Instagram about uh, the woodland retreat in Bali, Bali Nafai, Fai, Fai, Eric. Oh, I actually didn't even get it right. I said two. Uh, Bali Nafai, of course. Um, can you tell us a bit about that, please? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, um, so I will be a qualified yoga teacher this summer, and I suppose the Woodland Retreat was an idea that I had maybe two years ago. So we're really lucky. Um, we own a couple of acres of what was previously commercial forestry here beside a special area of conservation, Balnafa Lake. And um, you know, like kind of during the lockdowns and all that kind of stuff, just kind of realised just how special and lovely and quiet it is, and it's something that like uh, I wouldn't be able to do what I do if I didn't have that to go into. But um. But last year was just like, wow, the crappiest year in the history of all years, uh, just between family bereavements and then like, like my marriage, I separated from my husband last year. And and then, as you were saying, but your previous got gas, like my horse died and whatever. Yeah. There was just loads of stuff. But anyway, I ended up, I found myself doing the yoga teacher training course. Um, so as I said, I've been doing yoga for the last good few years. And it's been amazing. But I just kind of found myself in this course. And then I think when I came over, kind of the initial grief period last year, then it was on the course. I was like, what on earth are you doing? You don't have time to be doing this. But it has been just incredible. Like it's changed everything. So, so yeah, so the plan is now I see to go for it and launch. Then it'll, it's not going to be out massively commercially. Right? And I prefer to just people that just come and enjoy it and just calm down and chill out for a bit like you know the kind of way and leave but I had to come and do yoga workshops and maybe writing workshops and just connect then with all of the amazing amazing nature that we have around us here like so that's the plan I uh, obviously got to see some photographs and things like that and it does look amazing and you know uh, yoga again another topic that's been brought up so much on here and what it has given to people Interestingly enough, I had started yoga with Adrian on YouTube as well. I think a number of she, Yeah, she's quite popular, to be fair. But it just, uh, like, you have to find, uh, uh, if you're, especially if you're doing it through YouTube, uh, to begin with, you have to find the right voice and the right character. And I think I did run through maybe two or three people where I was, it's the same as doing meditation to somebody's voice. Mm-hmm. It's not going to fit, like, everybody. And um, I found her to be particularly, like, engaging and uh very patient, I think, even when she's not looking at you trying to do the stuff. There needs to be an element of patience, particularly with me, because I'm not the most limber, I would say, when it comes to something like yoga. But you, like you said, you, you're you teaching yoga, but teaching it and bring it, bring it to a, a space like that, you know, where there is peace and quiet. Um, walking out of a yoga, stu- yoga studio in Dublin City is not quite the same. Uh, if you walk into something that's very tranquil and, and there's, you know, peace and animals and stuff like that. And then you do in the writing workshop as well. Like you said, it, there's a dr- certain drive to you, um, I would imagine, <laughs> or someone who likes to take on. I know you're saying, oh, why am I doing this? I'm I'm busy enough as it is. But obviously you're someone who likes to take on these projects anyway. There's a certain drive to you. Mm, definitely. I, like, I, I don't know, like, I suppose, like, dharma, isn't it? Purpose or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, it's just, oh, it feels so good. Like, last year I was, like, a uh, reader in residence with Kildare Libraries, so working with children from 5 to 12, promoting storytelling and literature and stuff, and that really got me through, actually, so much of last year, but, like, 
I don't know, I've been doing my own courses and doing workshops in schools or whatever. But I think that just when I got to settle down into it, I was like, oh, my God, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Because like, I can see, like, you know, when you're getting people to open up their imagination and everything, it's just the most incredibly like amazing feeling. Like it makes me feel so good to see people feeling so good, you know, like, so, so then I suppose with the yoga then as well, like, I'm like, Jesus, if I could just bring like a smidgen of like, you know, like what, what all of my yoga teachers have done for me throughout the years mm. to give it to somebody else as well, then like, you know, so I don't know, it just puts a fire in my belly, those kind of things. Like, it's like, oh yes, it's not help at all. You're not going to help. You know, but like you're just, there might be something, I don't know, just a help. Help! I keep saying the word help, but anyway, you know what I mean. No, I, I, yeah, but I no, I I understand totally what you mean, and and it's it's you know like you mentioned, um, you know the loss of a pet, say you know horse, but like you had many losses, and we talked about it last week. Um, and myself and Louise talked about like grief, and I asked her, was there a right way or was there a wrong way to grieve? And the answer was no to both. And I thought it was kind of a stupid question to begin with. But it wasn't clearly. Um, that's just putting myself down. But but the idea of um, finding your way through it and and being someone like yourself who obviously has creative ideas and energies to put into you know uh, physical activities like yoga, but also mental activities like writing, and that was kind of not, without getting too deep. That was kind of your way of of kind of you know getting through things and and moving on to the next mm-hmm. kind of chapter, I suppose. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd like, if I, if I wasn't doing that, like, I don't know where I'd be. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of way, like, but like, there's just, I don't know. Kids, you, I think like after when you're grieving or you're in kind of them kind of funny periods, like I don't think you realize until maybe you're out of them, but are nearly at the end. And I think it was only when I was nearly at the end and then I found that I was just writing nonstop. Like, mm. as I said, like I finished an entire novel in nine months and it was just like, Jesus, okay, like, this is obviously where then I was channeling everything, you know, yeah. like, kind of into it, like, and that, like, and then just, yeah, moving, and then, like, with my own horses, like, you know, like, just getting the phone, like, they only came, I grew up, like, with horses kind of all our life growing up, and then I didn't have anything for 20 years or so, and then my youngest daughter wanted to get back into it, so the horses only came, like, a year and a half ago, and things were kind of great, like, you know, kind of personally at that stage, and I don't know, they were just the best outlet as well then, it was kind of just a route to channel, you know, like, just playing around on ponies or brushing the horse's tail or whatever it is. I don't know. It's some shoot clean and tack like I don't know. But yeah, it's only kind of when you look back then I'm like, okay, that's obviously that worked. It helped me get yeah. through. And yeah. Yeah. Can you, but, can you tell me about like what it is about horses? Obviously growing up with them, but what it is you love about horses so much because there's I've seen again your videos and I'm going to get to the miniature goats at some point because they're cool but like the horses in particular because you've done you know riding on the horses videos as close to I've ever gotten to being on a horse um you know the sway of it and stuff like that what is it about horses horses that you like so much I genuinely I don't I, I don't I was the first person so none of my family were ever into horses no oh, right. <laughs> and then mommy said I just come out like obsessed and uh yeah, I don't know. Oh, I just, I love them. Like, it's their energy. That's, that that yeah. is what it is. So now that I know what I can have, it is the energy. And, like, you'll meet horses that, like, some of them are just, like, it's like dogs, like, you know, like, or whatever. But, like, there's just some particular horses. I don't know. They're just, like, the special ones, you know. And then you'd have others that are absolute assholes. <laughs> yeah. They're the ones I'd meet, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I don't know what it is. I just, like, honestly, when I'm up on the horse's back, like, you just, I don't know. That is the happiest place in the world. I just I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. Well, the, there's, I, I obviously 
from when I see people or when I hear people talking about horses, when I see people with horses, there's obviously something therapeutic about them in a, in a way. And I, I, um, I have spoken about this before about like, I like watching cows out in the field. I find them quite therapeutic. They, they just move around in slow kind of movements and it just kind of lulls me in. And, and people are obviously get a great, find uh, dogs very therapeutic and, you know, they have, uh, you know, dogs, service dogs that for that reason. But I'm, I'm guessing that's what horses are. Apart from, like you said, the assholes, the ones that are really nice and gentle and, and, uh, good around adults and kids. There's obviously some a therapeutic nature to them. Oh, completely. Like, mm. just completely. Therapeutic is the thing. So my sister, actually, she runs an equestrian centre now in South Africa. You know, like, and she'd have, like, children of all different abilities and, and adults coming out, like, you know, to them now. And it, it is. It's just, the, I don't know, there's just an aura. There is a calm. There's just... I don't know. And it's not even there's a cam. Like, Jesus, my pony Molly is like the boldest pony in the world. <laughs> she like regularly comes up and just absolutely mows me over with a headbutt for no reason whatsoever. You know, like, and yeah. you're like, uh, okay. And then she just come over then a few minutes later and she's like, I'm only messing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only messing. Yeah, because they're so like, that's all. I've never been, like I said, never been on a horse. And, and I think I've been qu- quite um, intimidated by them a, a little bit because uh, I didn't grow up in a, a, around them or anything like that, you know. So I kind of came upon them on a late stage. And like you said, everybody seems to bring up the assholes. Like everybody talks about the ones that like don't go behind that horse and kick in the head or, or you know, those kind of things. And it's always, I know there's a reason for that too, to make you aware that not to do that. But No, but it's so few and far between those horses yeah. as well. Like genuinely, I don't think there's any such thing as, again, evil or a bad horse. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, let's hope not because that sound that would be it'd be a great horror film, but I, I don't really need an evil horse running around the place. It'd be quite. There's one horse. There's one horse up here, Emma Jane. Right, he's he's a good bit up the road from where I am. Right, and um, he's always on his own in the field, but he he tears around the field and that. And sometimes you'd just be chilled out, be looking out at you. And one time I was running, so he saw me coming, and he ran from one end of the field and. It it looked like he wasn't gonna like he was just gonna clear the fence like you know that like he wasn't gonna stop and I got a little bit of a fright and I was like about thirty seven at the time and I got a bit of a fright he did stop he stopped you know in a fight but you know when they're tearing at you there is the size and you know not used to them never handling one it's you know I got a little bit of freaked out by it. but apparently he's a very nice horse I I talked to its owner a while back and he's, he's obviously delighted to see it yeah. I would have been very impressed there if a horse came running across the field to me. <laughs> well, they, well, yeah. I see. I didn't even think of it that way, and that goes to show, you know, my mindset uh, when it comes to horse. But you're obviously in your element around animals in general. Mm, just animals in general, yeah, yeah. So I've always had it since I moved into my house here. Like we've always had pets growing up, like, but but yeah, dogs in particular, um, gotta be lost without the two boys, like you know, like so. The two dogs are great, um, and cats, and then. Yeah, so the horses and well, the ponies now, um, and then uh, yeah, two goats and a donkey have come their way. <laughs> what's the What's the story of the goat? Are they miniature? What's the story of the goats? So they're only baby pygmy goats. Okay. So, uh, yeah, well, they won't go much bigger now, so they'll be a year old shortly. But like, oh my god, I loved them. I don't even know how. Again, this is just one of those things. I kind of like woke up a few months later, going, "Why? How? Or you know?" But it just happened to float, and they came and. Oh, I love them. Like, I love them. <laughs> they, they are, um, the first video I saw with you was the one um, where 
you were looking at the camera and he, he just, one of them just appeared on your shoulder, like just left up on your <laughs> so, shoulder. Yeah, it's this party trick. <laughs> is that, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, is that just uh, something that they ju- do? Are they, they just jump? It's so playful. So honestly, when I was down there earlier with my cousin, so I'd find them now a few times I got up and they're actually just on the horse's back. So yeah, like, I saw that. even getting up. Well, I copped it today then. So like there's a big roller, like, you know, for rolling the fields out yeah. in the yard. And here was the dude, I'm sitting on it, waiting for like a drive-by, basically, waiting for somebody to walk close enough. And then he just took this massive leap and ended up on his back. He's just like, okay. And then and he ended up getting up on the wall. And then when he got on the wall, and he was like, oh, God, okay, I'm behind now. And then waiting for the horse to go back, jumped onto the horse. And they got that. Honestly, they're just so funny. But the amount of people that have been asking me about Goshi yoga now, I didn't even know Goshi yoga was a thing. But apparently, no. you, go, you do yoga, and then all baby goats just jump up on top of you. So I like... Actually, sounds pretty cool, though. To be fair, uh, um, but I, th- that's always good. I suppose I was looking at the video, and your laugh is kind of infectious as well. Because you're you're not, on one of the videos, you're not looking out. Uh, obviously, follow MJ and listen on on Instagram. You'll see it all. But uh, you're walking out towards and the the goat is at the back of the horse. The horse doesn't seem to pay any mind that much, like. But then the goat jumps to another I think jumps to another horse is that right and then that horse not as happy that the goat was on the back and I just love the fact that like I I suppose I love the fact that the first horse doesn't care that the goat was up on the back <laughs> I know that's Molly by the way like oh, she's so ah. funny but like it's nearly like though she's like their mother now so like when I bring Molly away now and then I have to like put I'll put the two boys in the stable or something like that see if I'm going for a hack and then all you hear is like ma ma <laughs> they like lose their life or then she comes back I'm like <laughs> well it's so it's um even to see kind of live your life vicariously through somebody because i don't have all these animals around the place you know what i mean like i'm out on the farm here and there's cows and there's a couple of dogs and stuff like that but not not i think that you're gonna there's gonna be a a, a, a peak in pygmy goats people are going to buy buying pygmy goats if they, if they can just jump the way they do and i'm not saying i'm not suggesting that people just get goats for that very reason by the way <laughs> but if you have the space i suppose and like they're going to be bound to be an attraction when people do come down and i'm going to try this again balina far there <laughs> it's, i didn't i kind of i keep i keep getting lost somewhere in the middle but like that's going to be people are going to want to see if people know you i suppose and haven't seen the the goats they'll want to see the goats yeah yeah so they, they will be like they'll be up here around the woods and that like so i do bring them up to go but yeah they're funny patrick and sean yeah patrick and sean <laughs> i didn't know their names but now i do but do you can you just let them out what you're just wandering around they're fine to just kind of follow you about yeah yeah no they are they're good like so the two of them actually they're <laughs> don't know how people be, but, but they're castrated as well like so the pair of them so so i don't know i think like normal billy goats would like maybe have a bit of a more of a streak in them yeah. do them don't you know like so and just once they have each other they're two brothers like obviously but uh but yeah no they're just just plod along they're happy out like the kids go out to them there just knock so much sport out and like they just all they want to do is play <laughs> But but that decision, like, um, and I know you just said it there, like, what was the, where did it, that come out of? Like, where did you see the fact that you can, or where did the Billy, where did the idea come from for Pygmy Goats? I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. Um, I don't know. And they were castrated. Like, I bought them. They were both castrated, like, when I bought yeah. them. So, um, so, yeah, so, I don't know. Maybe I've just seen that in Dundee or something. <laughs> <laughs> we had goats. We did have two goats when we were younger, though. We had Sony and Jane uh, when I was small. And, um, yeah, so they didn't go down great though. They kept they were much bigger though, like they were 
Right. I had a freaking clue about goat breeds, but they were people. <laughs> <laughs> but they used to keep getting out and destroying Mammy's garden. So I think we only had them a couple of years and then they went off to another home. But um, but yeah, so that's why when I seen them, them two little smallies and then just looked into it and I was like, okay, go don't grow too big, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, and then also then I knew they'd be good company for the, the horses and that, like out in the field, you know, something. And um, so when is the Woodland Retreat opening then? Yeah, so the summer. So I'm hoping, aiming for July, basically. So okay. I'll be qualified at the start of June and then just get all my ducks in a row. Um, there's a good few bits going on with Johnny McGorry, just a kaleidoscope um, children's festival and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, so hopefully from July, we'll be ready to rock and roll. And how much, just how, <laughs> yeah, just how much work has kind of gone into that, the setup of it? Yeah, so we did loads. So Nationwide came out like and did a piece on us yeah. there. Um, uh, two and a half years ago I think maybe two years ago at this stage so like it was all hands on deck for that like and we got like lovely decking and stuff just put out into it so it was just a big drive like no but since then then I just literally the only work that's been done is planting native trees so I've planted I don't know about a thousand I'd say native trees oh. now I mean over the last like two winters or that like you know so that's kind of it like other than that I leave it what because my mother's just like you need to cut this back and you need to have it and I'm like no like I just think people are mad like you know with their whole idea of what's niche and mm. what's not it's nature you know like obviously there will be paths cleared for people yeah. to walk through but I prefer it being wild and I prefer the, the thistles growing up whatever like it's doing what it's meant to do you know like it is a rewilding yeah. product because it is like yeah but um but no, so like just literally just keep going so this year I'm hoping to kind of put like in a kind of semi-permanent structure I suppose like a yurt or something like that but yeah. uh, but the plan is actually to build a studio right. um, you know in the next year or two like and just have it there in a more permanent place just for but nothing nothing major just literally a studio just become that we won't be fr- drowned or freezing yeah that's yeah that that seems fair enough and is it just you that's working on this no, no. So, uh, no, my, my parents, my family are great. Like, it's family yeah. and like, um, so they all help. And then Amanda that works with me then, Amanda's been my best friend for a million years. Uh, but she works with me and Johnny McGorry as well. Like, you know, so she's great input and everything on that. Like, you know, like, so, yeah. She's, Brilliant. You know, not <laughs> so, yeah. well, I, I was going to, yeah, because it would have been a bit, a bit much of a project to, to take on your own. But I, I also that kind of, I wanted to say about the, the idea of clearing like, you know, paths away and cutting this and cutting that. And I think the whole you've seen it and uh, well, everybody would have seen it from the news and uh, programs like Nationwide, you know, that rewilding kind of idea. It's, you know, people are attracted to that. And because of the fact that it, it gives homes to lots of insects and bugs and all, all that kind of stuff, you yeah. know, so it is it is as important as you know, our own comfort <laughs> to, to walk through little gap. I think we can duck under a branch now and again, like just just get through things like this is the thing, like, yeah, like, I'm really, like, I just, I don't know, I think people are just kind of gone a bit mad, like, concrete, concrete, yeah, concrete yeah. you know, like, or it's, like, having their gardens look in certain ways or whatever mm. it is, but, like, thank God, like, I suppose it's a bit like mental health, isn't it, like, so, like, it's finally becoming, like, rewilding, like, you know, people mm-hmm. now know that term, like, you know, and they know the importance of, like, well, if the bees goes, we go, you know, that kind of way, like, yeah. and it's just really starting to come to the fore, whereas it is something we always knew, but I just don't think the terminology was there, you know, like, to... Yeah, but but anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. The terminology wasn't there. And unfortunately, our own, uh, I suppose it's kind of in a way, it's our own laziness or um, looking for the the most comfortable route to things, you know, that we have to chop everything through um, just to make it all easier. And for some reason that all, all these symmetrical lines were 
prettier than you know a, a regular the way things grow like we can't just allow wildlife just to allow itself to do what it wants to do yeah yeah and, yes. and you know but um there's another you probably don't even have time but what do you do if you have spare time um what do I do if I have spare time see, I don't see I like if I uh, hiking I suppose or swimming actually right. Yeah, so they're the two things. That I was, actually, I was going to say, I write. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know that's my job, but I genuinely, I always just seem to have a pen in my hand. Um, but no, I love, like, when I say street swimming, absolutely not. I am a floater. I just go and throw myself <laughs> in and float along for a few minutes and I get out and love it. Or if not, yeah, if I have, like, actual time, time hiking. Or if not, just making time for hiking trips and, like, wild camping in the mountains and that kind of stuff. Like, oh, I love it. So that's, yeah, just outdoors. Yeah, we had, like, the last couple of, people we had on mentioned hiking as well it seems to be coming a huge um a huge thing for people in ireland to do and considering the amount of uh places we have to do it yeah, so beautiful like mm. wow ireland is just stunning like yeah it really is like yeah. um and then swimming uh another thing that's come up quite a lot of times was the the cold water um swimming are we are we we're into that yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it even called. It. We've always done so. Like I learned how to swim in the canals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, we've just that's been something that's been consistent since my childhood. You know, swimming in the Liffey here in Kildare or that, or or else like if we like go down to Wexford, like we would have spent loads of our summers in like a mobile home in Courtown. Um, so swimming in the sea or whatever, and then just yeah, just like kind of just have always kind of been. I don't know if it's cold water. It is. It's cold water therapy, isn't it? But yeah, it's never been warm water here in Ireland, no. has it? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I think we've whoever's been doing it since we were young, like they started the trend. It's not the people now who have hopped on it in the last year or two. But I do like I I get totally get the idea why people do it as well. The cold water therapy, and you do feel you feel good after. I mean, it's more when I was doing it. I it was more of feeling like it was an achievement rather than you know i felt any physical um sensations afterwards so it was more of like oh i did it like i got in for two minutes and i survived kind of an idea it wasn't the other way you know yeah yeah whereas now like i know just and as i said like i throw myself in i cannot walk in off the beach if i do it's so i prefer to just go somewhere i can just fall in yeah (laughs) but uh but I don't know, now I'm just so aware of that, like, you know, that instant when you get in, it's like, whoosh, and there's nothing. Your mind yeah. is completely quiet. Like, there's absolutely nothing. Like, you're just fully in their body. And that's, I think, what I always just loved about it. Like, you know, like, it's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it only lasts a couple of minutes. But then, yeah, when you get out, usually you're like trying not to die a hypothermia. But then when you warm up, you're like, yes, I did something. Yeah, that that's that's my moment. I think a lot of it is, is, is panic and uh let's get warmed up again and then I, I I feel kind of good after when you um when you are writing and you're writing whether it's children's books or, or adults book do you, do you get a time to look at the kind of not so much the competition because it's not the right term but do you get to um do you get to read a lot is there is there people that you admire in the in the kind of writing industry that's not even a term but yeah yeah no well actually the majority of books that I read are like um spiritual mm-hmm. self-help books so like like you know like like Eckhart Tolle or Paolo Coelho like have all of his books I absolutely love them or like um Michael Singer or Fern Cotton I love her I love her podcast and everything like that as well so they'd be the kind of things I'd read but then uh, kind of <laughs> I don't really actually get into an awful lot of uh, adult fiction books and I've tried to actually so my sister actually got me to read while well, I listened to them all on Audible the Witcher series they were right. class 
and then Sucky Sack. It's all fantasy stuff that I kind of like, like, you know, but uh, but other than that, then I just read children's books. And who do I admire? All of them. Like, I don't think just yeah. such thing as bad children's book. I think she's just deadly. So. I think that's that's interesting because, like, um, I don't get to, to read them, you know, and I suppose if I had kids, you know, I would. And um, But... Uh, you know, for when I think of you writing children's book, I, uh, books, I was wondering that. I know you have kids, obviously, as well, but like I know that there would there would have to be. I guess you have to read to see what's out there, um, to kind of appreciate the people who are you know t- on top of their game and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, yeah, you do, and you, you don't look. This other thing, I think, when people maybe if you go comparing or anything like that, you get into this mad funny mindset then as well. Then, like mm. you know, like so. So, yeah, so I would just say to anyone, just write, write whatever comes. You know, that kind of way, like, there's, I don't know, I, I love how everybody will take a different viewpoint or a different yeah. opinion. Or something different at every single story. Like, no story is ever going to be the same, ever. You know, like, yeah. so, and maybe it's just a case you just print, like, one book or you write and you just give it to, like, your your grandkids or your daughter, whatever it is, like, you know, or maybe it goes on to be the next David Williams or, you know, like, Julia Donaldson or whoever, like, you know, that kind of yeah. way, like, but anyway, I think just writing, I think just for the sake of writing is just great. And I don't think comparing is going to help anybody in any sense of life ever. <laughs> absolutely. Well, absolutely. And like the, with the stuff that you read then as well, like Eckhart Tolle and uh, Paolo Coelho like, and, and people who I would be maybe aware of before I started this podcast, but definitely people told me about Eckhart Tolle and stuff. And I, I just hadn't been in kind of touch with that kind of um, uh, subject matter or, you know, or writing in general. And um, it's it's very interesting for me to kind of be opened up to this stuff because I don't like I think we can very easily stay in one lane you know if we're into a certain type of fiction or mm-hmm. we're into a type of non-fiction it's very easy to stay in that lane and not that there's anything wrong with that obviously but you know if you're looking for more spiritual like, spiritual guidance or whatever it might be and you are a little bit lost like it is nice to kind of check these writers out and just see what they have to offer because again you could throw it away and, and think well that's nonsense is not for no. me that's yeah yeah i mean that's so you've obviously that's something that you obviously take a lot from yeah and that was something that literally correlated with me yeah just at that period a couple of years back so starting to do yoga and then my sister was just like you should read this book called the secret and i was just like i'm not reading that crap <laughs> <laughs> but then anyway so i like flew through that and then i did it just to kind of i suppose and i was like oh whatever like i, I need something anyway i then went on from that onto like abraham hicks and then onto da, 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 da. you know and then yeah just i don't know and then there's still like there'll be one or two books that are even like i don't know if i agree with that but you know it's just i suppose getting out of the way of ego then as well is a big thing but yeah i agree yeah. and like i have been pointed in the direction of some people and, and some writers and stuff and I know <laughs> this probably does sound egotistical but I know this is not going to be for me and that's alright to choose because you, look a book might take up depending on how busy you are might take up like two weeks of your time and then you know then you think well I'm after wasting two weeks of my time in that so it's like picking or choosing from the right thing but if you're on the um, obviously you know what you like that's good you can stay on that track too but I just think it opens so much you know um an open mind when it comes to reading it opens so much to you um mm-hmm. you know now and obviously down the line definitely definitely 
Yeah. So anytime anybody recommends a book to me now, I'll either buy it or if not, have it on Audible on the wish list and go for it. Cause I'm, I, and especially when people go, oh, like this book, you probably wouldn't like it. And I'm like, okay, if you're saying I probably wouldn't like it. And I was like, I need to get out my own way then. Give me the book. Like, yeah. you know, I'll have a go of it. Like, yeah. Challenge accepted kind of a thing. Yeah. 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 I, <laughs> I get that sometimes as well. But I get that more with films because I watch so many films and the people will say like, ah, no, I know your kind of films are trying to, you wouldn't be into it. And I, well, we'll see now. And if I do or not, you know, it's like, I'll give it a go. And normally they're right, sadly. But like, so, there has been times, it has been known where you find a little gem because somebody's kind of, I suppose, giving you a little bit of a challenge to, to, to watch something. Pleasantly surprised. I don't Pleasantly. know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Emma Jane, um, where can people find you? Um, and, and where can they find, I'm not even going to say it again, but the Woodland Retreat. Ballinafar. Yes. Ballinafar. Why do I keep putting the Y in? That's, the, that's what I'm getting no. wrong. But it is Sorry. like the epicenter of like the whole of there, so I don't. <laughs> How do I not know it then? <laughs> How do you not know it? Like Jesus. Um, no, you can find me on Instagram anyway, Emma Jane Leeson or any of the Johnny McGorry things. Mm-hmm. Will all come back to me there? Yeah, and Woodland Retreat that I then is a website for that. But brilliant. I will. Yeah. Uh, I love see as we're as we're um, getting the episode out. I can put those tags up and stuff, and people can follow them from there. Um. Would you mind just sticking with me for one minute? I'll I'll get through the podcast, thank a few people, and then we'll take take a quick photo, and then we'll be on our way. Is that right? Yeah, hundred percent. Thank, thank you me. very much. Uh, I also want to thank John Francis for uh, putting all this stuff up on YouTube, like he always does. Um, I always thank my mum, my dad, granddad, Jaron, Calvin, because it's a group effort. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you would. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The podcast platforms are Spotify, Apple, Anchor. Google Podcasts and a couple of other ones and um, obviously thank you very much to everyone watching or whatever they're doing whatever however they, they find us um, it's always appreciated and once again Emma Jane thank you very much thank you very much Brilliant. thank you and everyone else see you next week bye